Welcome to the Church of Mavis radio show. It's Friday night, 7.08 p.m. Central. And this is year 15 of doing this. My God, getting old. Uh, Jay will be here in a minute. He was here and he he vanished, so hopefully no internet crap. We got uh, Mark Muncy here with us tonight. And uh, he wrote uh, Erie Appalachia. And uh, let's see the, the full full title. I have it right here. Oh, right yeah, they're throwing all the things on it. Yeah, and uh, you write those with Carrie Schultz? Yep, my, my lovely wife. She's the talented illustrator. Brings all those monsters, myths, and legends. With it. You know, they only pose for blurry photos. So, you know, they're all such divas. So she brings them to life. She's like the forensic pathologist sketch artist for uh for monsters myths and legends nice nice eerie appalachia smiling man indrick hole the jersey devil and the legend of mothman so uh basically just to give you some background on the show uh the reason we do it is like i said earlier uh when i was 17 at testicular cancer and uh what went through all that fun and chemo and stuff and I was healed from it and everything, lost one in the war. And then a year or so later, my dad passed away. And I started to have really strange experiences of UFOs over every house I lived at. I saw saw different types of beings from beings of light uh, with my physical eyes. Uh, I saw two le- beings of light leave my house. Saw some little hooded beings in the woods standing around a black box that were really weird. And a black cat jumped towards them and they vanished. And a friend saw that with me. And there's been some other weird things. But basically, it led to doing this show. And we've been around for a while. And, you know, we've had a lot of people on about UFOs. A lot of the greats like uh, Jim Marsh, Stanton Friedman. A lot of them are gone now. But we've been around older older than I look. (laughs) 48. (laughs) I'm feeling it, that's for sure. But uh, we do everything. I love cryptids. I love it all. But uh, it's great to have you here. I guess uh, my first question is, what got you started on this path of all this weirdness? What was the catalyst? Uh, Well, the catalyst is uh, we go back to uh, me growing up in uh, uh, back hills of uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio. Um, And uh, we lived right at that little cross section there. Uh, where, you know, the three states combine. And um, while I was younger, uh, we used to go, but family had a family farm uh, there in uh, Louisa, Kentucky, uh, which is, you know, now near Yatesville Lake and was on the old Blaine Creek that went into the Big Sandy River, all this stuff. Was, you know, anyway, that's that's the area. And we would go there on weekends and camp out and have, you know, just, away from the city we lived in charleston west virginia and this was our you know we drive down there and you know rough it for the weekend but it was wasn't really roughing it we had airstream trailer and all this stuff uh but i stayed down in this area that was an old baseball field that was long abandoned so it was all woods all around us but then this clearing area and i would go down there to stargaze because i was a nerd it was the 70s and, uh, you know, and it was like, hey, let's look for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Let's look for Star Wars. Uh, you know, and, and it was dark sky territory. So it was beautiful stars, beautiful skies. And we would go there and tell ghost stories. You know, I'd bring my friends from the city. We'd just have a nice weekend there. And at one point, 
there 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 was we would tell stories there's a local monster in that area a holler monster as i like to call it you know just one of those urban legend stories yeah. uh of about a monster that lived there and it was called it sounded like something out of south park it's called the bench leg of gobel ridge it had a wooden <laughs> leg it had the head of a man uh, had the body of a cow or a big cat um and it would jump from tree to tree and it would uh, and it's with its wooden leg it would knock you off your horse if you were a bad person so my dad called it its whoop ass stick you know <laughs> so um anyway dumb story i never paid much mind to it except that my father told it my uncle told it my aunts told it. everybody told this story and everybody seemed to have an encounter with it but nobody could you know but it didn't make sense to me this wasn't an alien this wasn't a bigfoot this wasn't nessie in search of was big then i knew i knew monsters um but down there one day i was out looking for ghosts and monsters just kind of seeing what i could find and really i just went out looking for stars and wanted to see if i could spot an alien and as i was out there walking late one night uh see one of the horses come by that was on the property and something spooked it you know and then i hear more hoof beats and another horse runs by and i'm like all right that's the two horses on the land something's got them riled up and i'm like oh i wonder if it's a bear because there are bears there and then i realized all i've got with me is this little red rider bb gun basically and i'm like oh that's that's not going to do me much good if a bear comes by and then i saw something unusual uh could have been my bench leg it was this strange thing that was kind of glowing looked like kind of a big cat but with a strange head and i didn't i remember looking for a wooden leg but didn't see it but it it ran past me and scared the bejesus out of me and i didn't know what it was didn't understand it ran home up to the big trailer and told my you know my father and he's like oh yeah you saw the bench leg and i'm like oh, i guess i got a story to add to things so that's what started it all after that it was it was infatuation you know you, there was no stopping me i read every so book I can on it and so what did it look like to you when you saw it like i said it looked like a big cat it looked like, like a, a like cat. a panther but with kind of a glow around its head and its head was definitely some sort of misshapen no fur on it and uh it was ugly it looked inhuman you know and not like an animal it looked like a deformed creature of some sort um and you know, there's hundred plus years of seeing this thing. So, and I was just one more story on the campfire. And that's all so, had. That makes it even more, more strange. I now, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, but now, you know, doing research on the new book and, you know, realizing that that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's hundreds of these little stories everywhere. Um, the one that got me on this was we found a story of a peddler who had been killed in our area in the, uh, uh, late 1700s, early days of Kentucky. And um, he had been murdered by bandits and that uh, cover their crime. They killed his cow that was pulling his or ox that was pulling his cart. And he had apparently fought back with a stick and they threw it all in the same grave. So if some sort of spirit of vengeance was going to come out of it, of course, it's going to look like, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a cow mixed with a human head and a wooden leg. And suddenly that story makes a little more sense. But it's definitely weird, you know. I had uh, Bruce Hallenbach on. He uh, wrote a book for Small Town Monsters, a Kinderfell creature. And oh, in yeah. it, they talk about the blob. 
like they saw some blob up there's near Hudson Valley and all that but something interesting some people saw this blob going down the road but another guy saw the Virgin Mary like different people were seeing different things based mm -hmm. on their belief system that gets pretty weird you see like a Steve McQueen blob or <laughs> another guy sees the Virgin Mary that definitely gets weird and how that trickster element you know messes with your perception and feeds off your beliefs that's always fascinating as well with different things like this so with a lot of it do you think it's paranormal or just weird creature cryptids or a little bit of everything I kind of like I don't like using the word you know supernatural I, and I, I even don't really like paranormal too much I like uh preternatural stuff we don't understand yet but someday we might uh that was uh, shirley jackson's term for it from old haunting of hill house and i love that because it is it's people have seen stuff they don't understand people are trying to make sense of it and it is stuff you know the preternatural of one generation becomes the natural of the next like you know we we look at things like you know chiropractic medicine for you know generations and still to this day some medical schools are like this is not real medicine this is this is fake you know this is this is voodoo and but yet people get real relief from it so who are we to say it's not good you know uh acupuncture is coming back in a big way same thing it was one of those we called that you know witchcraft and and, and you know and hoodoo and now it's oh it, it actually is helping people so maybe we should do that and you know and that's the same stuff i think ufos you know i did not think we would ever have congressional hearings on ufos again in my lifetime after project blue book closed you know decades ago and now here we are um you know are we on the verge of figuring things out no i, I still think we're a generation away but i do like the, i like the fact that we are making progress towards this stuff so yeah it's definitely got uh crazy with everything and then uh <clears throat> when you've had these experiences you you just uh it gets a lot weirder just seeing you know i can go through uh youtube and pull up ufo cnn or ufos fox or whatever and just watch their reactions to it and stuff and that's always amusing especially the fox ones but they all are they're all kind of insulting a lot of times giggling about it and stuff oh, but yeah. uh and I'm someone that's had them parked over my house. I don't know if I've ever been taken, but sometimes I wonder, maybe, but I don't know. But uh, one of my favorite documentaries, I don't know if you ever saw, was Dan Aykroyd being interviewed about all that stuff. Uh, Dan uh, Aykroyd, oh, yeah. UFOs Unplugged, uh, you know, the actor, he's into that stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm not big on MUFON. I think he's still in that. But uh, that's a great one. But, yeah, things have definitely heated up. And then now you got balloons and things being shot over Alaska. Like, hopefully that was a... Uh, a foreign nation and not et that they shot yeah. down <laughs> they're the quarantine in et right now in a in a, in a you know a, an interrogation room <laughs> oh yeah this is like roswell where it was it was a weather balloon you know we we probably won't know for you know another generation what really happened you know on these things so there's always the initial story then there's the oh we have to re-explain it oh we have to re-explain it again 10 years down the line you know we'll see what happens so with some of these stories, like small town monsters, is always fascinating how police and, you know, it gets crazy as hell with some of these stories. What are some of the ones that, that stand out where the reaction gets really crazy with, from people when this kind of, you know, sightings happen? And stuff oh, yeah. Like I mean, it, it all goes back to Hopkinsville, uh, I think, <clears throat> is probably the first, you know, uh, that really everything kind of went crazy from. 
uh, because you know that's a family that is literally terrorized in uh, near Kelly, Kentucky, and uh, 1950s, and uh, you know they get attacked by these floating creatures with bug eyes and big ears and you know and a bulb head, and the way they're described. Now we would look at it as like what we would call a gray, a classic gray, but maybe wearing goggles or something. Um, uh, and they, they didn't have feet, but just little pods, and they would fly at them instead of walking at them. And they panicked, so they started shooting at them. And this was after seeing a, a meteor or some strange craft fly overhead. And the whole family is just terrified of this, these things. And so they're, you know, they literally have gunfire with them for hours and they're not hurting it they realize after a little while these things are impervious to bullets and so they run and get the sheriff you know what else are you going to do you know you, you flee you bring your family you're trying to stay safe the sheriff comes out there they do investigations they find tons of shell casings no tracks well these things were flying you know no nothing but that you know it gets reported in the paper uh and so suddenly they are flooded with people. People want to see what is the term saucer men or uh, tub men because they said they flew across, the ship flew across like a wash tub. It looked like a wash tub. So now they've got dubbed as the tub men. And then at one point, one of the papers calls them little green men. That's where we get that term from, uh, is this sighting. And then, you know, they, it's, it's weird because the, place becomes swarmed with people people want to see the aliens or where it happened and all that and so they can't plant crops for a while because people just keep swarming them so eventually the family finally charges a quarter apiece to come see the you know the site and everything and give tours and then suddenly everybody's like oh they did it just for publicity they did it just to make money well they You've just, their farm is destroyed. They had to do something, or they were gonna, you know, they're gonna lose their land, lose their farm. Um, so, yeah, are they making money? They got to eat, uh, you know. But this was not that, and so that's what I think. All this goes back to is if it wasn't for that blowing up, you know, would we be talking about this stuff to this day? You know, you know, Roswell had disappeared, but came back right after that. Um, and then all the stuff that it just explodes from there, um, you and know, the goblins, got, and okay. those goblins, what did they look like? Were they like grays or just like they, they were on the roof, right? Like out of their ships on the roof, supposedly, right? Yeah. Some on the roof, some flying at them. Uh, they looked like what we would consider a gray alien, except for the fact it doesn't have the little three toed feet. They just had little pods for feet, little, they, they said like little suction cups, uh, the uh, big eyes. Uh, but they may have been wearing goggles, uh, and then uh, the ears may have been antenna. Um, so it's definitely weird. And the fact that there were multiple ones, like you know, five or six, possibly even a dozen, depending on the descriptions of who you listen to. Uh, there were two different families involved, it wasn't just one family, and they all swore to it on their deathbeds, and even the sheriff who investigated it swore to it and said, you know, none of them had ever lied to him and none of them ever would. So, um, so, you know, this is, this is one of those, you know, credible witnesses, all that. Yes. The families had been drinking that night. So, you know, of course it's unusual, but you know, and it's, it predates all the other, what we see, think of as 
you know, abduction sightings or near abductions or anything like that, close encounters at all. And of course, Blue Book investigates it years later. But anytime when an, a, a being was sighted or anything, they just immediately marked it as hoax and never really investigated it. So um, that's that's what that shows to me. So there's Jamie Nicholas was. He's having some computer trouble. How you doing? That's, Mercury that's retrograde. It's yeah, not, that's over. I think I thought it finally ended. Full so, moon just ended too. So yeah. Then in that case, it was operational error. Was I don't a, know. It was working. It was I green, walked away. It was working. I came back. I sat down. Everything was. It's <laughs> the green comet. I yep. just had yeah the green comet that passed over. <laughs> that's it. Or it's that that bit of the sun that just broke. So. I just Something had crazy stuff happen at the the radio show site. Uh, I couldn't log in the other night. And then it wouldn't let me reset my password. It kept saying not key, not in data, database. And this was WordPress and GoDaddy. And then I'm freaking out thinking it's been hacked or something. Then my internet goes out an hour later till uh -huh. morning. I'm like, man, they're really <laughs> laying it on thick. But then I checked it in the morning. It's back up and all that stuff had went down WordPress. I thought I got hacked and was freaking out. Right. <laughs> it's been one of those weeks for sure. But... <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're talking about the Hop, Hopkins, 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 oh, I can't even say it, Hopkinsville Goblins in uh, Kentucky. And Appalachia is what, from what I'm seeing, West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, it's just where the mountains run pretty much, right? That's a vein, what states. Yeah, yeah they go all the way, they, they go all the way from Quebec down to Alabama, actually. And um, and so we hit the whole trail. Um we we talked months, you know, a couple stories in Quebec. We talked some stories in upstate New York, um, and then uh, all the way down to uh, Alabama, and uh, we hit everything from ghosts, monsters, legends, UFOs, you know, everything we could, and uh, you know, uh, there uh, there's just so much, and we had done three books about Florida, and uh, when I published this was sent this to my publisher they were like why why are we doing this and i said well i was researching a florida story and it tied back into a bit of mothman lore and and so i have to write about mothman in my florida book and then there was another bit in the florida book that was going to tie into uh the flatwoods monster and i'm like okay so i gotta write about flatwoods for this story to make sense and then there was another story that tied in and they were like, all right, Mark, fine. Just write that book and then you can write your next Florida book. So I'm like, okay, good. That's what we'll do. So I know it's always interesting when people have these experiences and then you start researching it. There was one time I saw some beans and I had been in my younger days partying in different ways. And uh, basically we were at this lake and it was Halloween night and uh, some people were under the influence. I know for sure. But I saw on the lake like a, a humanoid kind of serpent-like being and like a hydra. And it, the closest thing I've seen to it is like Mayan gods. Like I had these wood glyph uh, cards like Oracle and it has the gods on it. I was like, that kind of looks like the weird thing I saw. But what was weird, uh, some other people that night noticed some weird stuff later, but later I came across some encounter stories describing the same being, and they said it was like it had antennas on its head, and there mm. was different parts in the south where people had supposedly seen this thing, so it's just when it gets creepy when you start backtracking on some of this stuff, 
and it comes up in other places and stuff. What were you saying about Flatwoods in Florida? There's a connection with that here too or something? There is. There is. Uh, Flatwoods, uh, the connection with that uh, was um, Tampa, you know, has a great military base there called McDill, uh, McDill Air Force Base. And on the day of the Flatwoods encounter, there was a crash there from a, a training mission, uh, quote, training mission. Now, what had happened was is uh, two pilots had flown from Pensacola up in the Panhandle to McDill for a training operation. That was a training operation. They land at McDill. They refuel. And while they're refueling, they get a scramble alert. The whole base goes on alert. And they all and they take back off. And then they crash. And they were told their fa their family was told. They crashed somewhere over the Gulf. We're unable to recover their bodies. Sorry for your loss. It was a training accident. The report from that day at McDill is completely redacted. It is all black. You know, when you pull that report with Freedom of Information Act, that whole day, flight logs, everything, except for the scramble alert. Now, what happens is, though, if you go a little further south, down towards uh, Port Charlotte Harbor, there's a Navy base there, and their reports weren't redacted, and they saw an unidentified craft flying over them heading in a certain, you know, in a direction. And if you take that line and you put it over Tampa about an hour and a half later, okay, there we go. And then you put that, keep going that line, it goes right over Flatwoods. So they a few years later they go back to the families. Now this is like maybe a dozen years later, they go back to the family and say, Oh, we found their bodies. They did crash up in the, up in the panhandle area. Why were they in the panhandle area? If their training was Pensacola and back, you know, so this scramble report suddenly makes it okay. They were, they were sent up to look for something might've entangled with it, you know, and if they were to, let's say any of those planes tag something, and it continues on course and it would crash maybe right over Flatwoods. And that yeah. day is the infamous Flatwoods encounter where, you know, the strange craft crashes, family sees the thing, National Guard guy sees the thing. Uh, you know, it's a probe. It has reptilian eyes hiding behind, you know, in this this thing. I know the, the classic drawing shows the, the arms reaching out and all that. That's nowhere in the original description. That was something a television crew drew to show the monster later um but uh the great frank facino he's one of the experts on the flatwoods monster and uh he was one of the ones that pulled up that story and was like mark you need to research this and um and then i was the one digging for the family records and we found those pilots and they're now buried in arcadia florida uh at the air force graveyard there so they're not even in mcdill they're not at their family land. They were the bodies were supposedly lost, and then suddenly they found them in the panhandle, but yet they're buried in Arcadia, which is you know for combat vets. So it's it's a real interesting lot of plot twists and everything. And and you know, we go into it in the book. So you ever uh, come across the Fort Benning story that happened in Georgia? The uh, all the troops going kind of nutty and stuff and seeing stuff and things like that. Things the books east of Eden. I used to be friends. Well, I guess I still am. He passed, but John Vasquez, and oh, he yeah. was one of the guys there. 
he used to call me and tell me weird stories like he t he was still trying to figure stuff out and he said he was on that base and he told me a weird story they think he, he got poked by a needle there and stuff it was pretty weird those phone calls like the x-files but oh yeah but he he passed unfortunately but he'd been on my show but in that fort benning case supposedly the troops like saw an alien and it's like almost like they were tripping out on psychedelics i don't know if that's the case or maybe it was a little bit of all of the above i don't know what happened but it was definitely a weird story with the troops yeah the were, fort like, freaking out the fort dix encounter was an oddball one uh where they uh uh the one sergeant comes out years later and announces it that uh that they shot down a craft and then the aliens escaped and they uh, on the base and they had to call the police to help them search for it wow. and then they had to redact the whole thing and had to tell everybody don't tell anybody anything what uh, state and, is that fort dix, uh, uh, fort dix is a uh, uh, jersey but okay, they jersey. they took jersey. them to yeah, not far from yeah, me <laughs> yeah and they took the the creature uh right patterson air force base flew something out gr grabbed it and flew back once they killed it uh and that's why the police were called in because they thought they had shot a man but they said it was a creature and that's when right pat took it away uh but all these guys were sworn to secrecy and all that stuff but now they're all on their deathbeds so they're all talking about it wow. um I'll have to look that up more for sure it's interesting yeah um and yeah uh then uh the other the mothman connection was actually what started the whole mess was i was looking into the crestview sighting which was a miami sighting in the 60s and uh it was a school a whole school sees it gets buzzed basically and the kids hundreds of witnesses kids teachers everything they see this saucer with like a turret shape on top and then it's surrounded by friends it's got little tic-tac craft that fly around with it we would call them tic-tacs now back then they just called them little cigars and um and uh, like i said dozens of witnesses but then the military come after they're all gone and the military in, investigate and ask all the kids questions, ask the teachers questions. And one of the teachers says, oh, well, they hovered like helicopters. So the next day, the newspapers say, you know, si weird craft sighted over school. We're just helicopters. Hmm. And it's and it's all gone. And it disappears from papers. Nobody talks about it like Roswell. Nobody talks about anything until we now talk about, you know, the, the Navy the Navy footage leaks. There's government, con you know, you know, Congress is talking about it. And since I'm the weird Florida guy with my three Florida books, I start getting emails from these witnesses who are now in their seventies and eighties. And they're emailing me saying, Hey, I knew it wasn't a helicopter. I knew it wasn't crazy. It's exactly like that thing on that video. And I get to interview these people and talk to these people. And I went down to talk to one and he had the best, evidence ever he had his father's you know like um what you call address book slash day planner type thing from the days and they, you know with everybody's phone numbers and everybody who called and everybody who visited and aunt jenny's cornbread recipe all this fun stuff written uh -huh. down and uh he had that we pulled up that day because it had the names of the government men who came to in, to interrogate him as a kid his dad wrote the names down and I was all excited because I'm like, Freedom of Information Act. I'm going to be able to see if these guys have, you know, these are real people and find out, you know, what the real story is. Maybe they had a deathbed confession. Who knows? Maybe they're still around. Maybe if I'm lucky, very unlikely, likely. But one was a sergeant of the Air Force 
with an or with like Smith as a name, so that was very useless. The next name was a Coast Guard, and it was a lieutenant, and it was a Sinclair, Lieutenant Sinclair. So I was like, oh, that's a good one. I was able to look him up. Um, he was serving there at the Coast Guard base in Miami, but that was it. I didn't find any real information on him. Couldn't find family or anything. But the third name just said government man. And the last name was Cold. So for you who's doing this a while, that name should give you shivers. Andrew Cold, yes. Yes. Um, And I asked him, do you know, can you describe this guy to me? And he says, well, he didn't really say much. He just stood there in a suit and just kind of smiled at me. Yeah, that like, sounds like Indrico, right? That sure does. And that would have been just a few short years after the Derenberger incident. So was he working for the government? Is he a MIB now? You know, this is suddenly I had to start researching Indrid and 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 getting into that. And was he in Florida? Did he show up anywhere else? And then I told that guy, I'm like, this is valuable. This is like probably the most valuable thing for UFO researchers and conspiracy theorists. Please take good care of this. I was able to take photographs of it, but he doesn't want it published yet because he's a political figure in South Florida. So that's why I have to keep him you know, anonymous for now until he's out of office, uh, But uh, uh, which may be soon because I don't know if he won the last election. Uh, but um, on the plus side, though, he knows it's – he didn't know what I was talking about, why I had to explain why this is important. So he didn't even know who Indra Cold was. Um, but now he understands it and he's got it in a safe location and, you know, and all that, but, uh, crazy. And that's what started this whole mess for Appalachia was, was that. Nice. Nice. Definitely. That's, that's interesting for sure. And, uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of looking through, uh, some of the different cryptids. There's just so many different ones in here and I enjoyed the book, but remembering is another, another, another situation, but there's so many I haven't heard of like a rat man. Bunny man, like, yeah, yeah, no, that was weird. The plus side was we got once I started doing this, and I realized, you know, we've got to do the major ones. That was, you know, that was the publisher insisted, you know, we had to do Jersey Devil, we had to do Mothman, and you know, and all that. But then I got to do the lesser known ones, but they were still kind of famous, you know, Pope Lick, and and uh, you know, and then we got to do uh, Bunny Man Bridge and uh, and things like that. But then I thought about my monster. You know, I was like, well, I got to put the bench leg in here. And then I also thought about, well, what if there's other holler monsters? So I started reaching out on all these forums and Facebook groups and everything and just said, hey, tell me your stories. I'd, I'd really like to share these. And then as I started interviewing families and stuff like that, I started realizing the Mimas and Peepaws who were sharing these stories are dying off. And the next generation doesn't seem to care about these stories and so then it the whole purpose of the book kind of shifted instead of just being this catalog of folklore and monsters to i've got to preserve these stories this is this is preserving folklore this is you know these stories are going to disappear in a generation or two if if they're not written down and uh and then the families would email me and say hey we've got one that I don't know if you're interested. I'm, of course I'm interested. It sounds crazy. And the rat man was probably the only time I was actually in danger uh, because oh, I don't wow. write about anything I haven't been to or any place I haven't gone. Um, 
and I also don't go anywhere unless I've had at least two people tell me, you know, a story about it because I, I want independent verification, you know, of some sort. Um, but this one was two different families wrote about it in the same area. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go down this holler. They all live in this one holler and I'll be able to, yeah, I'll go visit the one family um, that I've been invited to go visit. And it was one of the times Carrie didn't come with me. She was busy taking care of our pets. Uh, she, uh, she raises jumping spiders and they can only go so many days without feeding. And I'm like, oh, I got this one. It's just an hour away from where we were staying at our cabin up there and um, back on my family's land again. Uh, and we, I drove out and it was just a nice day. And I, I drove into the holler and I, I went to the house of the family and, um, and I started talking with them. And then the neighbor comes across and because that's what they do. They want to find out who's this crazy man that's, you know, in the holler that's not supposed to be here. That's, it's got, you know, kind of spying and stuff like that. It's always fun to see. And, uh, but as I was there, they started talking about the rat man to me. And the neighbor lady gets up and walks away. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, I wonder if I offended her or something. I, I was trying to just ask questions. And so then the other, you know, lady is still telling me about, you know, that they leave offerings for him. And, uh, you know, you, you leave bottle caps out for him or trash out for him. And then, you know, things go, okay, your crops don't die. Your, your animals don't run, you know, and, and things like that. And then the other neighbor comes back and she's got a shotgun. And I'm like, okay, time to go. <laughs> I obviously pushed the wrong button. And, uh, and that was the first time I'd ever actually been, you know, man, you know, I don't even know if my wife knows where I am. And I made, yeah, I'm usually <laughs> very good about I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And we always go in groups. And, you know, that's why I always tell everybody investigating these things. Always go with a group or have somebody know exactly where you're going to be. And this was one of the first times that I said, well, I'll be off a road down here. I'm not exactly sure where I'm going, but it should be off of this road. So. What was she upset about? Talking about the rat man? She didn't want no. to talk about the rat man? She didn't want anybody, you know, she thinks that it's, you know, didn't want anybody thinking they were crazy. And I'm like, oh, I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about the shotgun. Uh, but she also, shotgun. you know, but she was just very much like, you know, some people worship him. And, you know, we don't what? want anybody thinking they were devil worshippers. kind of crap now. <laughs> yeah. They didn't want anybody thinking they were devil worshippers or anything like that. So, you know, just, just get on out of here. So I did. I got on out of there. It reminds me of a, a Warhammer game, Vermintide, where you have to fight all these rat people. It's, it's oh, yeah. Pretty good, yeah. yeah, that's, that's <laughs> flash, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm an old gamer. I remember Blood Bowl. So I know that tied it to Warhammer. Vermintide 1 and 2, that's a Warhammer. Uh, but, oh. yeah, the, the, you have to kill a lot of rat people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so many different ones – I know uh, Christina, my fiance, her uncle Paul worked, and we both think he's a little creepy. He don't listen to the show, so we can say that. But uh, <laughs> he he used to work at that Dozier place, mm. and he'd tell us weird stories. And we're like, oh, we hope you weren't doing weird stuff there. Kind of vibe. Mm. But he told us a weird story about a UFO being in Silver Lake, which is a place I used to live on down here. It's just yeah. weird out of the blue kind of thing. And maybe he's crazy as hell. Maybe there's really a UFO and so we're like, I don't know. But he worked at that Dozier school. And I remember him. 
talking about there's like a UFO under the Silver Lake. And uh, it's just like this right-wing Trump dude and stuff, real country, oh. and it came out of nowhere. It was just weird. Now, but then, uh, Silver Lake UFO is not – that's not the first time I've heard that. So Really? You're familiar yeah. with Silver Lake? Up here? I am familiar with Silver Lake. I and, used to uh, live on it. I had to move, unfortunately, and because uh, of financial stuff. But yeah. I'm in Graceville now, but I, I used to walk those trails all around it with my dog, Jack. He passed, which sucked. Been with me 16 years, but – uh, you know Silver Lake, and you've heard a UFO story too about I've that. I've heard wow. a UFO story you, up there, you, and that's uh, that's funny that you mentioned that because that was one of the ones that was going to be in that Florida book that I was doing all about UFOs, and that was because I'd done Erie, Florida, which was all myths, monsters, legends, the major ones like Robert the Doll, Skunk Apes, Gulf Breeze UFOs, um, and then we got to do the sequel because that became a bestseller. They flipped out on us, our publisher. <clears throat> you know, hadn't had a bestseller. It wasn't written by a politician. So they flipped out. Uh, and then, uh, they had us do a sequel and that was our, where we got to do off the beaten path, lesser known stuff. And we got to do, uh, uh, freaky Florida. And that was one of the ones where we got to do the, the devil's tree and, uh, some other things like that. But we did up near there, we did the, uh, you know, the Florida caverns, uh, where they supposedly found another Rip Van Winkle where some guy woke up a hundred years later and you know when a cave collapsed and um it's just you know fun little stories like that but then our third book was creepy florida which was all ghosts because they by that time they told us we need nothing but ghosts just ghost stories <clears throat> um and that was we were doing Ocheesy pond which is right up there and uh and we were talking about the wild man of Ocheesy pond and then we were doing brooks bridge which has ghost wolves that run across the water there and all this. So we were hitting the panhandle pretty heavy for that one. And that's when somebody brought up the UFO and silver bridge. And I was like, well, I can't put it in this book, but that'll be awesome. And, um, and then that was what led to all the other UFO sightings, which will be in the next book. But uh, you know, next year, that was 2024. So still early days on that, but silver bridge is crazy story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, well, silver bridge, yeah, the mall fan, but silver lake, Interestingly totally. enough, uh, Stacy Brown came to that house and hung out with me uh, from finding Bigfoot and all that. Yeah, you know, Stacy's a good dad, buddy. Yeah, his dad had that. They had that footage that was pretty crazy, like a almost yep. like a caveman Bigfoot running through the woods. That yeah, that was, was pretty nuts. That's still, that was a weird one. That's still that and Dave Sheely's skunk ape footage down in the Everglades are probably my two favorite Bigfoot photo uh, videos. I know everybody talks patterson gimlin up pacific northwest but i'm like those two are unbelievable so and uh well Pat patterson gimlin i like it because that's when really the first one i saw uh in the movie theaters with uh with peter graves narrating on this this, this documentary about bigfoot uh, and so i remember that really well but uh there's one and i'm not sure where it was taken um but it shows like a juvenile Bigfoot, like like doing like gymnastic routine, like 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 really tough gymnastic stuff in a, in a tree, like on a hill in a, in the distance, and it's just like no untrained human could do that. It right. was just amazing. I don't know if you've seen that footage. So right. I saw that. And I was like, whoa. I think that was I think that was Mississippi footage. I think that one was pretty big. There's another there's another one where there's one that's like ripping tree bark and stuff, trying to get the you know, the bugs out of it, and it's very gorilla like. 
and that's another one in that same area where that that other one was found so i haven't, I haven't heard or seen that one but the one with him doing the gymnastic stuff in the tree was amazing i was like wow yeah. that's just it's either a human uh really tall teenager that knows how to do gymnastics in a monkey suit or that's a legitimate monkey flipping around in a tree yeah dave dave Sheely's footage from that 2007 uh where it's just running through the everglades and the fact that it is running in you know three foot deep water and it's still that's up to its knees I've, yeah I've and it, run they're fast yeah they and it doesn't even fast. slow it down at all and i'm like anybody in a suit out there would be tripping and falling and all that and it's hot and it's the everglades it's terrible anyway uh you know the you know is a braver man than anybody else on the planet for a hoax no not worth it that's you know that was that's incredible footage and the fact that it's minutes of footage not just a 30 second clip that yeah. is dave sitting out there in his blind you know filming it which is great and he opens the skunk egg headquarters a few years later because you know it's what he's got you know he lives in the swamp why not yeah, let's do this. And uh, I was going to say, I had some pretty interesting UFO things on Silver Lake happen that were pretty weird. Some uh, Quite a few. That uh, area is a hot spot. Definitely, definitely fascinating. He came out there and I was going to be in a documentary and I did a great job. My first time on anything like that ever. I was nervous as crap. And uh, something happened with the audio tech-wise and they couldn't uh -huh. use it. So I was like, crap. But he did what interestingly enough, he did want me to do something another one about that oh cheesy wild man story. Oh yeah, that's but a crazy story. To it, but I don't even know if I want to do that kind of TV stuff. I don't like it. It makes it's, me my skin itch. <laughs> I did a documentary for Discovery Channel uh last year on Robert the Doll down in oh, Key okay. West. They brought Robert me in as a talking head. And uh, and uh that was on Travel Channel and then Discovery Plus. But um and that you know and everybody's like oh you're on you're on discovery channel you must be rich now i'm like they gave me 300 dollars and a weekend in key west you know that's uh you know that's yeah. you know, you're not you're that not getting rich doing those guys so sorry sorry to bust your bubble but one uh the silver lake thing i had these weird firefly ufos in the sky and i screamed for my brother and nephew and they saw them and it was like these energy kind of things but interestingly enough i was having trouble getting interviews when i first started doing this radio show and i said a prayer had that weird sighting and then somehow ended up on a radio show talking about it and then the next thing you know i was getting interviews i was on the phone with stanton friedman like nick pope like nick redfern william oh, Burke, yeah. like all these big people it's almost like a weird like aliens hooked me up or something so i could get interviews or something that's what it felt like and then another weird one just real quick uh it was like something was in the yard blowing the trees around like it was almost like an invisible drone or something, and you could you knew it was there, but the trees were blowing around to it, and something was flying around the yard, but you couldn't see anything. And me and my brother both saw that. That was really weird, but uh, yeah, the Silver Lake's definitely fascinating uh, for sure. Uh, well, we're going to talk about Appalachia, and then get we get into Florida, you know, a little bit dipping our toes. But you got anything you want to ask about App from Appalachia, uh, Jay? Um, I yeah, I got a good Bigfoot question for you that, that I like to ask. Um, I don't know that it's much of a specialty for you, but um, since you's, you you did speak about knowing the, the whole range of the Appalachians, um, I don't I don't know where I saw, but there were some studies that showed that they're very um, uh, they're very migratory, so they go from north to south, north to south, and uh, 
most game that big you would think would leave tracks. So one of the theories of how they get through this area without being detected is through underground caverns that they've navigated from Florida all the way back up and down. Have you heard of that theory before? And what do you think about that idea? I have heard that theory and it is very plausible because, you know, we have the whole mammoth cave system goes, uh, you know, the main entrance is in Kentucky, but we, we still don't know how big that is. Uh, Every weekend they literally have guides in there trying to map it and mapping new sections. They get through a small section like this big. I don't know how they get through it. And then the next room is as big as a cathedral. And, um, and they, and then they, and then they've mapped that. So literally miles are added to it every weekend. So any map you see of it is already out of date. Um, the minute you see it. Um, and if you look at that, it's crazy. It is all up and down the Appalachians. And, And a lot of people don't realize the Appalachians are the oldest mountain range in the world. You know, everybody thinks the Andes, the Alps, and you know, the Himalayas, those are the big ones, but that's because they're young. The Appalachians are the oldest. And, uh, and you know, before the countries split apart, it's the same range as the Scottish Highlands and, and Ireland's mountains. They're all the same mountain range. And they all have these tunnel systems and cave systems. That's why we do the mining there. It's where we can get all the stuff that we need out of the earth. So, yes, these things could use that. They could use anything to migrate. I'm still of the opinion that they're not all of this, you know, natural world that they are, you know, that that's why the tracks just stop that. I think some are, you know, possibly an ape that we haven't discovered yet. Uh, Just like, you know, we didn't discover silverback gorillas until, you know, this century. Uh, you know, um, people don't realize that I'm like, yeah, it, they weren't around, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s is when we discovered them, you know? So, um, I, I keep forgetting it's the 21st century now. So it's yeah, little, it's, you know, maybe previous century, previous two centuries ago, yeah, yeah two <laughs> centuries ago, late two centuries ago. So not that long, but, uh, you know, in the span of the world, the span of our lives, it's not that yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you try to explain to people that, you know, we're, you know, the T-Rex is actually closer to the iPod than the T-Rex is closer to Triceratops. So, you know, that's how long the spans are of these things. You know, and Cleopatra was closer, is closer to us than she was to the time the pyramids were built. So, you know, that's, you think about time spans, that's how things work. But that's the thing with, with Bigfoot or Sasquatch or as Florida, since we can't have nice things, we always have to rename everything. So we call yeah. them Skunk Ape Skunk down Ape. here. But uh, they're all the same, but they are different species. They are different types. And, um, you know, like, you know, the apple devils are different from the Minerva monster. The Minerva monster descriptions are different than old orange eyes. Uh, you know, and, they're, you, know, and all, you know, the shadow of red eye up in New Jersey. Uh, they all sound a little different. They all look a lot alike. They're all gorilla-ish, uh, but also man-ish. You know, so are they... Neanderthals, are they cave dwellers? We don't know. And it's one of those, but people see stuff and people describe it and it changes their lives and mm-hmm. multiple witnesses sometimes and multiple, you know, po- you know, you know, multiple descriptions from independent witnesses that didn't even know. And that's why one of the things I like to stress is same with like preserving the folklore. Tell your mom, Mima and people stories. If you have a Bigfoot sighting or if you have a UFO sighting, or if your grandma talked about seeing one, or your uncle, or crazy Harry that lived down the street saw Bigfoot <laughs> once, document it. 
contact these organizations, the Bigfoot Research Organization, uh, you know, MUFON, as much as we hate them, they're still a good documentary database. You know, all these other database organizations, write them down. So that way somebody 20 years from now swears they saw something and nobody believes them, but then they can go back and say, hey, wait, somebody else saw it on that same road on the same day, you know, an hour later. Okay, I'm not crazy. And that helps so much. And that's, you know, so if you see something, say something, right? That's that's what we do. So and if nothing else, contact your favorite creepy author and he'll be happy to document it for you. So. Definitely. Jay saw a Bigfoot once in a window when he was younger. I've never seen one. I'd like to see one. But yeah, the scene just show themselves to people. That and I saw the creature run away. They are them. very, very quick. I mean, you would think something that weighs almost 800 pounds couldn't move that fast. Yeah, it's... They move pretty quick. Yeah, anything can move fast when it needs to. And that's, you know, we try to explain that to everybody. It's like, uh, you know, we come down here to Florida. Everybody's like, oh, alligators can run 60 miles an hour. No, they can't go that fast. But they can go pretty damn fast when one's chasing you. But they're they're more likely to run away from you than towards you. And that's the same thing with Bigfoot. Everybody's like, oh, if they're so aggressive and all this, they'll they'll kill us all. And it's like, that's the thing. They're like, like a deer. They'll run away from you. And. They, and, and all yeah, that. they intentionally avoid and evade. Absolutely. I have to agree with that. Um, the, the encounter that we saw the next morning, uh, because it was, uh, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night and we were kids, we weren't we weren't allowed to go back out that late at night to go look for it. But um, the morning we went and we actually followed the tracks into the woods when we lost it into the creek. We know, I know for a fact that that's how it lost us. It, it got to that waterway and who knows which way it went, but it, that's how it losses, and that's that's intentional. That shows absolute intent and, and and you know cunning. Yeah, bear wouldn't do that, you know, or anything like that. So bear wouldn't care. Bear would keep going. He would go in the yep. straightest line back to his house. <laughs> yep, and that's yeah. The 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 my favorite place to visit in uh, Georgia is the uh, Expedition Bigfoot. If you haven't been there, it's in Blue Ridge, Georgia. They ha- it is an active research center, but they have collected some amazing prints they've got you know recreations of some of the incredible encounters they've got a recreation of the whole boggy creek incident okay. uh there that is pretty cool but uh my favorite thing they have there is they have not only the footprints but they have a bigfoot butt print so oh, you, know, you can't, you can't yeah, go wrong with that so i'll have to look that up that's in georgia expedition bigfoot expedition right. bigfoot definitely worth georgia for 15 years is it, and where's it up near atlanta or is it in the it's, middle? it's blue ridge so it's almost on the tennessee border okay. uh kind of the northeast corner of georgia um but um yeah it's it's pretty it's it's a great place to stop so hey did you ever see that uh ufo museum in uh was it clearwater were the clearwater sightings or no is that right? Gulf Breeze. Gulf Breeze. Gulf, Gulf Breeze. Breeze. Yeah. I know I drove by it a long time ago, but I think it was closed. I don't even know if it's still there. Have you, it, have you, you have it's seen not that there one? anymore. It's up in Pensacola uh, at, near Gulf Breeze. Uh, sadly, no longer with us. It was one of the many deaths of the pandemic, but I think it actually died before the pandemic. Um, but uh, that area is still like one of the number one hotspots for UFOs in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's but you've got Eglin Air Force Base, you've got Pensacola Naval Base, and the air the things that are seen there the most are actually uh, USOs, the submerged objects. The and a lot of them become UFOs. They come out of the water mm-hmm. and all this. 
one of my favorite descript uh, interviews with somebody was a boat captain out there and uh, he was talking about his depth finder went from 400 feet to 40 feet suddenly and he's like oh you know something he thought a whale was coming up underneath him or something that, that you know un unexpected so he runs out up on the deck and he's you know panicking he's half asleep and he looks down and he sees this big dark shape he's like it is a whale and then it comes out of the water and it doesn't make a sound and it's a perfect black triangle you know classic description of the black triangle with a maybe a dim light somewhere in the center as it raises out of the water but it makes no sound it barely hears the buzz the surface it makes a low hum as it hovers above him and he realizes it's like 100 feet in the air and it's right over his boat and it's bigger than his boat and not making much noise and then it just takes off into the sky super fast again hardly making a noise and you know i asked him did you take pictures and he's like of course i did but it was black on black and he shows me photos it's literally just a black screen yeah um and uh i always tell people you know people are like well what, what do you do i'm like well try taking a picture of your nightstand when you wake up that you know is right there next to you in the middle of the night with no flash and you're just going to get a black screen you know it's the same basic effect uh and this was 100 feet in the air above him um but i also asked him have you been drinking he said, of course i've been drinking i was on my boat but I, uh, but he's, you know, his arm hairs were standing on end as he's describing it. He was, he definitely saw something he did not understand. And that was not the only, you know, I've gotten dozens of reports of triangle craft up there as well as other strange UFO incidents. And that's not too far from Silver Lake. So. Yeah, but I've, I've had some triangle craft in Georgia that I saw. I saw some over some power lines and a white ball came out of it. And I, I don't know if it was doing something to the power lines. Another time I saw some coming through an orange-green hole in the sky with my mother. And it scared her so much. She was like, Jeffrey, oh my God. She don't like to talk about it, but she remembers something happened kind of thing. And then the guy that I saw the pyramid craft over the power lines, I asked him about that years later. He don't remember it all at all. And I he was right, standing right next to me. Yep. Like, I remember it played as day. That's one of those weird ones where you're like, well, did I get taken during that? <laughs> because I don't, I remember seeing it in a ball of light, but after that, I don't. So, I mean, I don't know, but it's definitely, and that's, I've seen the pyramids. And that's, that's, that's what I hear a lot. You, you know, some people, you know, are, see something with two other witnesses and, you know, uh, one of my favorite stories was um, an encounter I had was at the Bellevue Biltmore back down in Florida way. Well, We'll, we'll jump to Florida for a minute. Uh, the Bellevue Biltmore Hotel in Clearwater, they were about to bulldoze it. They, were, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to save it or anything. It was an ancient, one of the old big palace hotels down here. And, uh, you know, the Henry Plant train went right to it. And that's how we tried to get tourists down here. And it was a very popular place for hundreds of years, uh, or a hundred years. And then, uh, and they were going to bulldoze it. And I was running a haunted attraction at the time that, uh, before I was doing the books and I was thinking, Oh, if I can get some really creepy stuff from this place and use it, you know, haunted stuff from this haunted building in our haunted house, how cool would that be? And, um, and I went the last day they were doing a big auction and, uh, silly me, I thought I'd be able to get some stuff cheap and, you know, no, everybody was spending a fortune, but it was also a lot of rich people there and they were having a party and everybody was dressed in period attire. So everybody was doing like Gatsby clothes and, 1930s and they had people dressed up as the bellhops 
And uh, and I was like, oh man, they they know because there's a ghost here of a of a bellhop ghost. And while I was there, I noticed a group of people over there, and they were a paranormal team that I knew at the time. And I went up to them, and I was like, oh hey, spirits of St. Pete, I know you guys. And they're like, they're like, yeah, we're trying to get here because it's the last day. We want to go up to the third floor and see if the bellhop ghost is still there. Get one last chance at looking at it. And I'm like, well, let's go upstairs. Nobody's stopping us. Uh, the auction's boring. So we went up to the third floor. And as we get off the elevator, there's a bellhop coming out of the hall and coming down the hall at us. And I was like, oh, wow, they had a guy in the costume up here. They knew somebody would do this. And I was like, bravo, man, bravo. And he just kind of looked at us and walked by. And then I was like, that was great. And the guy next to me was like, yeah, that was that was perfect. And the girl on the end goes, who, who are you guys talking to? What, what are you talking about? She didn't see it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then they had infrared equipment. They had all these cameras. They had all this stuff they were going to set up down at the end. Nobody thought to turn it on. And by the time the guy was passed, he was gone. And I run back downstairs to see if he jumped down the stairs. He went down the elevator. I was trying to find that guy to find, say, hey, you got us. Nobody knew who we were talking about. None of the bellhops I bumped into looked anything like him. And none of them have been up to the third floor. Wow. So, you know, it just goes to show you people say, well, I never saw a ghost. I'm like, I don't know what I saw because that did not look like what you expect a ghost to look like. It looked like a guy, you know, dressed as a bellhop walking down the hall. So that's a good one for sure. Definitely creepy. So uh, yeah, when it comes to Appalachia, what are some of the lesser known ones that maybe you want to talk about? Is there any that pops comes to mind? Oh yeah. There's, there's quite a few. One of my, uh, one of my favorites, again, a uh, you know, little lesser known, but still not unknown. Uh, I mentioned it earlier was the you know, Bunny Man Bridge. Um, this is uh, near Fairfax, Virginia, right on the Pennsylvania border. And um, there were several stories about it uh, that I could find. One was a family had been killed there, a mother and her daughter. And they had been chopped to pieces outside the, this this little tunnel area, and uh, and supposedly the man who killed them also skinned rabbits, and so that's why it was called Bunny Man Bridge. But then a few years later, we find that there was an escaped mental patient that from Penhurst Asylum, uh, not too far away from there, had come down there, and he wore animal skins, lots of rabbit furs and rabbit pelts. And so, you know, and then he would also string up animals all around the area. He lived in that area. So maybe that was the legend because the urban legend was don't go near this bridge on Halloween night or bad stuff will happen to you. Bunny man will get you. And then we go all the way to the 1970s where a man in a bunny costume attacks a person with an ax there and then two days later, the police come because they see him again. This time he's chopping at a house. And he runs away in the bunny suit and they never catch him. It's an unsolved case. So how do you how do you not catch a dude running around in a bunny in suit? Bunny costume. Yo, he hopped away, I guess. I don't know. This is crazy. And so, you know, the legends are these three things combined 
make the perfect urban legend. So there's a haunted house up there, a haunted attraction that is called the Legend of Bunny Man. And that's their main character is a guy in a bunny suit with an axe. And, uh, you know, again, you can see how the area has spawned this legend from three different stories that seem intertwined and really aren't, but are. So uh, that's one of my favorites for just because it is so three independent sightings that make the same thing. So makes me think of the Donnie Darko bunny thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Possibly an inspiration. Definitely so. for sure. Yeah. Anything else you got, Jay? And then I want to get into some other stuff for sure. No, I, I'm I'm good at the moment. Okay. Well. Uh, Okay, is there any other lesser ones you can think of? We got Rat Man, we got Bunny Man. I like the lesser ones. I like them all. But I love, I love them all, but I do. I love my holler monsters. Uh, there was one in uh, New York, which was pretty cool. Uh, upstate New York, up at the you know the near the Adirondacks, but actually sold the Appalachians. Uh, they were um, this this family inherits this property uh, that's they've been there since the Revolutionary War. And uh, they're they're surveying it to try to figure out who's going to get what. They're divvying it up amongst the grandkids, and or the great grandkids. And they find a barn on the property that wasn't marked on any of their maps. So they get near the barn and they start seeing some unusual signs, like on dead animals that are like desiccated. And they get a little closer to the barn and they open it up and it is filled with cobwebs, like millions of cobwebs. And they see, they describe as spiders as big as dogs and cats. Wow. And um, so being smart people, they decide to burn it with fire and just burn down the barn and not even go in there, right? Don't we want to know? Don't we want to know? So they burn it down. And then the next day or a couple days pass, they go back. And what they realize is there was a mine entrance underneath it. And so there's a cave down underneath. Talk about caves. So they start going into the cave and there's more cobwebs and more spider, you know, giant spiders. And again, this time they see a giant spider leg like come out. We're talking like Stephen King type thing here. And again, the brilliant family goes up, grabs alcohol, throws it down there, lights it on fire, problem solved. But what was amazing about it was a couple different families told me this story and that area, there are no disrepaired barns. Barns are upkept there immaculately because of this legend. Don't let your barn fall into disrepair or the devil spider is coming or the giant cave spider will, will come and take over your land and eat your animals and stuff like that. So um, I, like it. I like it a lot. Was it real? We don't know. But it's a cool story and a couple families told it. So. Definitely yeah, the spiders are creepy, so yeah, that, that gets everybody. <laughs> what is a Screaming Jenny at Moultrie, Alabama? What is that oh, name? I love my ghost stories, and Jenny is like one of my favorite people of all time. Uh, we had written about the Greenbrier ghost, who was you know the only ghost to testify at her own murder trial and solve her own crime. That's a big. She's a folk hero of West Virginia, and uh, as I was researching her, I heard this story about a screaming Jenny from Harper's Ferry. And so I reached out about that and, you know, to general boards and stuff. And then this one lady messages me from Alabama and she says, well, I don't know about screaming Jenny from Harper's Ferry, 
but my my aunt Jenny, they called her. She's known as Screaming Jenny, and she's a ghost. And I'm like, oh, do tell. I, I actually love it when it's an actual relative. And and she and then and then she starts talking about Aunt Jenny, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's kind of a folk hero from Alabama. And sure enough, it's the same lady. Uh, and she happened to be a descendant of her. And so this lady, Louisa Jane, um, she was a young girl, half Cherokee. Uh, so she had blue eyes, but all the other Cherokee features. So people just said she was just drop dead gorgeous. And she marries a man named Willis Brooks, uh, who's about 20 years older than her. Uh, and they have nine kids. Gotta wow. love that, right? And um, very much in love. They moved from Kentucky, where they first got married, to Alabama. And there they set up an inn right at this big crossroads right before the Mississippi River. And um, and they've got a, you know their homestead. Their family's doing well. And the Civil War breaks out. Mm-hmm. Now, this area of Alabama is very much kind of trying to stay neutral ground, right? They, they think it's a rich man's war. The poor man's fight, right? It's you know, if you were rich enough, you didn't have to go to war. You could ignore the draft. You could send somebody else in your stead. If you own thirty slaves, you didn't have to go. So, you know, this is you know the the South in this area didn't wasn't all in, right? And Willis Brooks, he was very much an anti-war guy. So, and it was well known. So the Confederate Guard in that area which are basically the guys who are too old to fight or too young to fight, but still want to help. They're also the press gangs, you know, making sure people are doing the draft. So they get out there and they're like, you got to come fight the war. And he's like, I'm too old. You know, I can't go. All right. Well, we'll take your son. Well, my oldest son's too young. Well, he's still coming with us. And, and then they're like, he's like, Nope, no, no, you're not taking him. So they decide to hang him. And as they're about to hang him, the oldest son grabs a gun He's going to save his daddy. And then the Confederate guard open up. They killed the boy and then they killed the dad while the rest of the family watch. So poor Jane, Louise Jane sees that. uh, And then they all leave. And then instead of just going into despair, she grabs all of her kids and takes them to the bodies of her son and her husband and makes them all put their hands in their wounds and makes them swear a Cherokee blood oath that they will not rest until all those men are destroyed. And then what she starts doing is these kids, she starts teaching them how to shoot, how to hunt, how to be badasses. Uh, and she starts hiring them out as gunmen, uh, you know, to other gangs. They take place, they take part in the Hatfields and McCoy feuds on both sides you know, a couple of their brothers are on different sides as gunmen. They join gangs out west. Uh, one of them becomes a famous marshal out there. And uh, while they're all this while, they're hunting these men. And Aunt Jenny, as she goes by now, manages to get two of them herself. <laughs> and then she remarries to another man. And while her kids are out doing the rest of the hunting, she has 10 more kids with the new family. Oh my gosh. God bless this woman. Um, and uh, she lives to be 98. And on her deathbed, she learns of one of her, her oldest son has finally died. He was the marshal. 
and he got gunned down in a fight where he took he took out six men but was gunned down by like 20. Uh, but she was proud of him because he died with his boots on. Uh, and she's like, all my men, you know, all my boys went out like men. So I can't complain. Uh, but she's on her deathbed and she says to her priest, I'm done. I need to wash away my sins. Can you go grab my handmade soap dish over there and I'll wash away my sins. I'm ready to die. And so he brings her the dish. He washes herself. He gives her the last rites and she passes away. And as the priest is taking the soap dish away, he notices it's just really weird. And he realizes it's she'd made it out of the skull of one of the men she had killed. You know, so, you know, how badass is that? That's how I want to go out, right? <laughs> um, but now her ghost is still seen along Alabama and along the Appalachian Trail, especially the southern end, where she's still looking for that last descendant because one got away. They only got six and uh and uh you know one got away and so so her ghost is seen with those big blue eyes and she screams like a banshee uh so that's why she's screaming jenny and uh but uh yeah, and then people kind of do a reverse robert the doll thing with her or you know, robert the doll everybody writes letters i'm sorry don't don't curse me anymore with her People go to her grave, which is way out this lone logging trail, middle of nowhere, uh, where her old homestead used to be. And they go to her grave and they leave tokens on her grave with notes of names that they want her to take out. So, <laughs> you know, you know, say, oh, he might be a descendant. <laughs> wow. On <laughs> a hire a ghost hitman. You know, screaming Jenny nice. might be up your order. So, but but why the screaming thing? You, you didn't mention anything about her screaming in in life. Why it does doesn't it... make any sense? Like I said, it's more like yeah. she's a banshee. So it's just yeah. one of those that just seems to be her calling card. Is the ghost? You'll hear it scream, or you'll see her, and when you yeah. see her, she screams uh, before she vanishes. But it's the blue eyes and all that. So it's 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 one of those odd. Some people say it's a Cherokee battle cry, you know, that that's her yell is is that so from her Cherokee heritage. So I know there's Bellamy Bridge up here. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, Bellamy Bridge is yeah. so haunted that it's actually on the park sign. You know, you know, the, the ghost story of it. So we, we went there, me and Christina, and we couldn't figure out how to get to it. And another lady was deep in the wood and flooded. Maybe that's why. Uh, yeah. But this yeah, lady was like lost with her kids in the woods trying to find it. And it was yeah, just like, where the hell is it? <laughs> yeah, if you go down that, you park at that place and there's a trail to it. But when the uh, Oklawaha River floods, that's the Oklawaha River Plain. And so you okay. can't get through there when it's when it's high. There's uh, there was mosquitoes. You like didn't want to oh, stay out yeah, there. Yeah, no, no. I, I never go there between March and December. You can only go there January, February is the only time to go. And then if there's if the water's high, you ain't getting in. Uh, but uh, Bellamy Bridge is you know, right up from Mariana, you know, right up from the Dozier School. Um, yeah. But when you go out to it, it is an interesting place. But what's funny about that ghost story, I don't think it really happened there. Because the story they talk about is the bride who caught on fire and yeah. died there. <laughs> That's actually a South Carolina story, but the person who wrote about it lived in Mariana, and so she wrote about it and called it the Bellamy Bridge, 
And so maybe the ghost transplanted, but there is some <laughs> unusual activity there. It was the main crossing for the natives. It was the main crossing for the Spanish. There were some battles there, but the whole bride killed on her wedding day and burst into flames. That's, that's not there. That's actually South Carolina. Yeah. So, Well, uh, looking through some of the ones in the Florida, what's the gnomes of Bark Tower, Lake Wales? I just have seen gnomes in Florida. That's not something you hear about. Not some year every day. And Bark Tower <laughs> is definitely a unique place. So central Florida, uh, you know, you think of Disney and all that. This is about an hour south uh, near Lake Wales, which is um, a uh, kind of a crazy town. They have a, a gravity hill there. So, you know, it's called Spook Hill, where, you know, you park at the bottom of the small hill right before a big hill, and you put your car in neutral, and it'll get pushed back up the little hill uh, for some strange reason. But it's actually it's optical illusion, but it, it's still cool. But the town embrace is weird there. So, you know, the, the school is called Spook Hill Elementary. Casper the Friendly Ghost is their mascot. I mean, how cool is that, right? But cool. about five miles from there is Bach Tower, which is um, also called Iron Mountain, which, you know, for Florida as a mountain, it's a whole whopping 223 feet above sea level. Not, not exactly, a, you know, a giant mountain, but... People say it's the highest point in Florida. Well, as long as you don't count some of the places in the panhandle, yeah, it is definitely the biggest on the peninsula. Uh, and it was apparently a meteor hit there in ancient times and raised it up. That's why it's got some weird properties and stuff like that. Uh, nice. But this guy bought it, uh, Andrew Bach, and he built this big bell tower right on top of it. And then he made a big garden around it and he dedicated it to Florida. It was help, It was his new home. He loved it. But all around it is orange fields for miles. So, you know, it's flat Florida. So it's a great place to go up and look out over everything. Um, so, again, I was running my haunted house. Uh, and we had a section on my haunted house. This is where I started collecting the stories. Was uh, on my haunted house website, you could send me your stories. I was like, please send me your ghost stories. Because I'd rather have the skunk ape jump out at you instead of a werewolf. I wanted more Florida monsters and more Florida stories. And this little old lady sent me an email, and I'll this will give you a set of the time. That website was a GeoCities website, and my email was an AOL address, so that'll tell you how old this was uh, for you internet chronologists. Um, but the email I got from this little lady said she lived in the Shadow Bach Tower in the 40s, and she was on one of those orange farms, and they had a strange encounter that something was stealing their fruit. So they put up traps thinking it was fruit rats or might have been, you know, somebody, you know, disreputable. And what they caught was, in her description, a small man, no bigger than a foot tall, covered in hair and naked and screaming at him in a language they couldn't understand. They caught him in a rat trap. So they called the police and the police came out and said well obviously this isn't the guy stealing your fruit you know and they did know circus performers because ringling was down here you know wintering and you know gibsonton was a whole town full of circus folk and tom thumb was over in saint augustine with ripley's so they were all moving to florida at that time so you know maybe he's just a circus guy so they let him go but then they still set up more traps, and then a couple days later, they caught him again. And this time they caught him with an orange. 
So they called the cops again. And this time the cops were like, okay, we'll take him in. We'll question him. And they couldn't put handcuffs on him. So they put him in an orange crate. I love the visual of that, you know, putting him in an orange crate and taking him in. And, uh, and that's when all hell breaks loose. <clears throat> Suddenly, well, as soon as they leave, oranges are flying at the house. Rocks are flying at the house. Tree branches are flying at the house. All hell is breaking loose. They don't know what to do. Nice. <laughs> so they, they call the cops back and the cops come <laughs> and they, they're like, at this point, it's been a couple hours. They've been unable to translate anything this guy says. They let him loose because they think they see dozens of these little guys running around in the woods, things throwing stuff. Um, and the cops leave. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like we're done, we're out. <laughs> and uh, and she said that one of the farmhands told them that they were fairy folk, and that they were red caps, and that they needed to send to Ireland for a blessed rock that would protect their farmland. And so they did. And once they got the rock, they never had any problems again. And now I didn't think much of that. I thought it was a cool story. And I threw gnomes into our haunted house every year. People are like, why are you putting the gnome in the haunted house? I'm like, it's a story. I got to do it. Um, but then the haunted house got shut down. We started doing the Erie, Florida books. And I'm like, I need to revisit this. And of course, she had passed away in that time. And I'm like, well, I guess I can't revisit this because no one's going to remember this. But yeah, Darby O'Gill and the little people. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) But I had an advantage at this point. Now social media was around. So I reached out on uh, early Facebook on a, you know, you grew up here when group. And I found, uh, you know, you grew up in Lake Wales when group. And I said, Hey, anybody remember a weird thing about capturing a small, you know, police arresting a small man in the 1940s. I didn't go into much detail. And, uh, civilian worker from the police department remembered it in detail remembered them bringing him in in the orange crate and remembered them trying to find a portuguese translator on the phone they tried to get a spanish translator on the phone and they did none of them understood what the guy was saying and uh, and she remembered him just taking him away and uh there was a report um but we're still trying to find it because it's a 1940s report and you know and the nice thing is lake wales police department really wants to find this report because they love crazy stuff there i told you you know like that spook hill and all that they'd love to be the the home of the gnome you know and uh and all that so so they are still digging they have found a report of a diminutive man arrested 1947 but no further entry other than that so we want to try to get more details and did they thumbprint the guy? Who knows? You know, it's just, it's, it's fun. At least we got that. Yeah. I was able to print it. So. I definitely believe there are little people. I've seen little cloaked weird ones standing around a black box and always trip out about what the black box was or what it is. I still don't mm. know. But uh, I know I had a, an author and I can't remember his name right now. The book is Iroquois Supernatural as a native guy. And they, he told stories about them, little people coming up and trading with them during the corn harvest and weird stuff. Like he oh, told yeah. it like with such confidence that it was like a hundred percent true, and he believed it. Which it, you know it could be true. I wasn't there, so I don't know. And I've seen weird stuff, so not denying it. By any means. No, and it's, you know, we've got reports of you know the Cherokee you know, went to war with the Moon-eyed people, 
which were supposedly blue-eyed, fair-haired, you know, little people that they went to war with and chased them into the caves and, yeah. and wiped them out. So, so there's you know, something to it. And every belief system from Norse to native to, you know, they have these little people. So it's in the fairy stuff and all that. Yep. So there's something to it. The one I wanted to ask you about for sure, because it reminds me of a, a creep show episode, Tamaka Park's flesh-eating cloud Daytona. What in the world is that? Okay, this is a native legend, but also backed up with, uh, you know, a modern urban legend cryptid type thing. Um, so Chief Tomoki uh, was of the, of near, which is now Tomoka Springs. He was a native leader at the time uh, with several neighboring tribes. And one of our fun conquistadors came into Florida, you know, destroying everything. Uh, and this is Hernando de Soto. Uh, and he comes up to this area and he's looking for gold, right? They're convinced they're, they found gold in South America. There's gotta be gold in Florida. And there's supposedly pyramids out here. There's supposed to be all these crazy things. And, um, Tomoki is trying to impress him and says, well, we have this cup, this golden cup. And if you drink from, we drink from it before our battles and it makes my men impervious. And now, DeSoto's thinking, oh, the Holy Grail, you know, or something like that. Yeah, that's what he's been looking for. He's like, oh, I'll put old Ponce de Leon to shame. I've found a cup that makes men impervious. So let me see this cup. And he's like, well, we can't use it unless we have permission from the, the medicine man. And we only use it for battle. And um, he's like, well, you know, uh, you know, show this to me. Show this to me. And finally, Tomoki's like, all right, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. And, uh, and he brings it and he's like, well, drink from it. He's like, well, we haven't done the ceremonies. We haven't done this. We haven't done that. And then, then he's like, fine, I, I, I will, you know, and then DeSoto decides to attack because he sees the gold. He's like, all right, we've got it. This is, you know, this is at least a chunk of gold. And Tomoka, uh, Tomoki dips it into the springs, downs it, becomes immortal and he fights them off. But the problem is now DeSoto is sending for reinforcements. The natives are screwed. You know, the shaman and all the other tribes are furious because you've let loose the secret. And so they're going to war with him as well. So Tomoki is flipping out. And so he goes back to the well and drinks, just keeps drinking it so that he'll survive the upcoming battles. But it, just disintegrates him. It turns him into this pink sludge that slinks into the, the sacred springs and taints it. So it'll never be able to make people impervious and immortal again. Um, so he cursed the springs. Um, now what's interesting is that's, you know, that's the native legend. It turned into a pink pile of sludge or a pink <laughs> cloud. And there's a big statue there of him drinking from the fountain and, uh, you know, that's this big native, you know, sculpture. Um, now that was actually made in the 1930s. It's not an actual native sculpture, but it's still, it's impressive. Florida tourist attractions, you know, we, even then we were starting. Uh, but hunters in the area in the 1950s say they were tracking uh, some wild boar. Again, one of our presents from the Spanish that they brought all the boar over here and let them loose. Uh, you know, talking about invasive species, and then they they get out there, and um, 
and they're tracking one and it's a big one and as it gets close to the springs this pink cloud comes out and grabs it and disintegrates it so there's nothing left but bone and they're like oh uh we better not touch that so they report it to the park ranger the park <clears throat> ranger writes it down saying you know, may, you know maybe something's wrong so he calls the government the government comes out to look for chemicals or something unusual in the air and they find more desiccated you know just nothing but bones left in that area but they don't mark it down or anything <clears throat> and then again 1970s another group of hunters have no history of any of this don't know any of this story they say a pink cloud came and ate one of their friends and disintegrated him and he drowned in a, in a swamp he never found his body but they say this pink cloud ate him so um nobody was arrested nobody and they never found the body so uh but they said it was in that same area it was and then, a national park too yep Mocha Springs and National Park. I see a missing 411 stuff. I want that stuff makes me paranoid as it is, but it yep. could be those things eating people in parks. <laughs> and people always say, "How can Florida be so weird that you got you know three books of craziness?" All I hear about is theme parks and beaches, and I'm like, the best thing to do for Florida is look at it from space at night. We're the space coast, right? All the ships launch from here, so you go up and you look down at Florida as they're flying up. They always have that camera looking back. And if you look at it at night, it's the best view. You see all the bright lights of the beaches. Like almost all the beaches are lit up, except for that forgotten coast, the big bend in the middle of the panhandle. Uh, there's not a lot there. But um, because it's not the pretty beaches. And it gets hit by a lot of hurricanes. But, um, yeah, so, but you see all those big bright lights. Then you see off the beaches the really big bright lights. And that's the major cities that support the beaches. The Jacksonvilles, the Daytonas, the Miamis, the Fort Lauderdale's, you know, the St. Pete, the Key West, you know, all that. They're, you know, they're, they're supporting all that. And then, you know, the Pensacolas. And then you go a little further inland and it's a little darker, but you still got all the suburbs, you know, the sprawl, the urban sprawl. And then you got the big heart in the middle, which is Orlando, which is, of course, all the theme parks. Of course, that's super bright. But then you've got the rest is all dark with little bits of light and that's you know the everglades to the south you got Mayaka state forest which is one of the largest state forests you got lake okeechobee you got uh the ocala national forest which is one of the largest state forests in the country you've got the green swamp which is where our aquifer is and that's where all the water comes from and uh then up in the panhandle you've got tate's hell which you know great name for a state forest and apalachicola state forest all that and all these places are just pitch black. And that's where all the people go missing. That's where all the weird stuff happens. And all these weird things go on. And, uh, you know, Ocala National Forest, I think, has more Bigfoot sightings now than most of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, uh, Mayaka is where they spotted that big silverback thing years ago. Somebody took a picture of it, an anonymous photo uh, from a little old lady. Uh, and... Uh, you know, that area, Stacy Brown is, that's his stomping grounds. He loves hunting there. Um, yeah. And then, you know, so like I said, it's, that's, that's why there's just so much. It's, it's crazy. I heard a, a rumor and I know it was from Stacy Brown and someone knew him, but some secret place is kind of like Skinwalker Ranch up here or somewhere in the Panhandle. Of Florida. There, there's, there's three 
that if I was allowed to publish the stuff that's come out of these places, because like I, said, I am the creepy Florida guy. So I, you know, I'm on coast to coast AM, I'm on discovery channel, I'm on a bunch of stuff. So whenever somebody has some weird happen, they call me or email me and say, Mark, you know, I saw this thing, you know, you know, can you help me? And one of the places, uh, my, the one that's is crazy for me is there's one in Ocala. Um, I wish we could go public with the stuff we found there. Uh, it's, it's where they, Ocala's big horse area. And uh, this is a farm, a horse farm, where they raise and train million dollar horses. So, and people come from all over the world to train at this center. Like some of the Olympic people that were training for the last Olympics for equestrian trained here. And they were calling me because they were having basically poltergeist-like activity. And uh, and they were like, you know, this is weird. And they got weird stuff on their security cameras. They got weird stuff all over. And the people who were coming to train were complaining because weird noises and all this other stuff. And they had to keep spilling it. So I finally got a paranormal team that was willing to investigate as long as we don't publish. But while they were there, while the paranormal team was there, they found Bigfoot tracks outside. Uh, and so they called me and I got a Bigfoot team out there to help them. And so the two teams were working together and now there's more layers of this. We're talking portals. We're talking all kinds of strange, high strangeness. And we can't say a word. Why won't they let you? They just don't want it out. They don't want out there because it would kill their business. They're so afraid because if, you know, some of these people, especially overseas, they get most of their clientele from overseas and overseas isn't as open to this. I mean, as little as we are too, but the fact, you know, they all make fun of our television channels showing ghost adventures. That's why Skinwalker Ranch and Bigelow get on my nerves because I know Jacques Vallée, that French ufologist cool dude. I like his books. Who does it? But he went there and we don't know crap. They won't tell us. They won't. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, This is one of those. Oh my God. I wish I could say more, I understand. Uh, but I I can, I'm hoping at some point we're allowed to publish it anonymously. Just not, give the exact location but you know, know show the evidence sure and stuff because there's like stuff appearing on walls that looks like native american tribal stuff that just appears overnight on security wow. camera you know this is this is some crazy stuff now the one up in the panhandle is another one it's private property it's another you know it's it's an old ghost town that that was an old turpentine mill and and an old, uh, you know, carpenter's sawmill there too, um, not too far from where the Rosewood massacre happened, which is another fun, dark historical piece of Florida history that was hidden for years. Um, but uh, this is another area where uh, a native tribe was wiped out, and you know now it's got all kinds of strange occurrences. Um, again, Bigfoot, UFO, ghosts, all three all over this place and again i can't say much about it other than it's there yeah and uh that it's in the panhandle and uh and near a town that rhymes with uh schmainsville so you know so it could be almost anywhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah around here here's something i heard out of uh i don't really like exopolitics a lot of them seem like they could be writing like soft porn fiction on amazon for bigfoot or something some of the weird stuff but uh, I saw this on Michael Salas, and I don't know him from Adam, so I don't know the guy. But in exopolitics, there's certain personalities in there I just don't like. 
But I saw this story, and I'm just curious if you ever heard anything about it. It could be BS. It's out of exopolitics, so I don't know. Yeah. But I didn't watch the interviews. I just saw the titles and read the description about it. And I wish listed it was going to come back. I never did. But supposedly he's telling this story lately about this military guy that met with ant people in Florida and a king of like ant people, subterranean. And they gave him a tree that's like the tree of life, like this weird story. And he keeps having like a lot of videos and I haven't listened to him, but I kept seeing them. But uh, of course, like I said about exopolitics, yeah. <laughs> but, but have you heard anything about ant people I, in Florida? Somebody <laughs> forwarded that to me too, but that's the only place <laughs> I've seen it. Uh, yeah. that's, between them and backpacker verse, you want to talk about bunny trails and, you know, and, uh, and you know, if you get anything from Backpacker Verse, that's the other one. That's like, okay, take that with a grain of salt. It's yeah. you know, you know, they're 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 an entertainment site. So you know, it's it's you know, it's what you know, doing Appalachia. We go to these haunted locations, and and they're all talking about, all right, so this is where Ghost Adventures found their ghost, but our ghost is actually over here. Yeah, so you know, so it's I try to explain that to people. Television is television. It's there for entertainment. You know, not, you yeah. My experience with exopolitics, I questioned the Obama time traveler Mars story with uh, yeah. Sago and Weber, and I got called a dark cabal Satanist just because. Of course, I was like, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's like, I'm, I'm, I'm working for the Men in Black because yeah. uh, I wrote about them, so you know, it's, yeah. uh, and exactly. I and I and and because I mentioned Ingrid Cold was in Florida, I must be a Men in Black, you know, just disinformation guy, it's and crazy. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. eh, you know. <laughs> I, I I can't say. I, like I said, there are some things I'm not allowed to talk about, uh, you know. But that's just because these people came to me in faith and wanted help, and I'm helping them. And that's you know. But that's I'm not an investigator. I am not a Bigfoot hunter. I am not a UFO hunter. I am an enthusiast. I am a journalist. So I like to you know bring light to these things. And I'm also a folklorist. I love folklore. So I want to keep these stories alive. Uh, but I also, I reach out to Bigfoot hunting teams, UFO hunting teams, ghost hunting teams. They're all friends. And I, you know, and when I first started this, the Bigfoot hunters would not talk to the ghost hunters. The ghost hunters would not talk to the UFO hunters. The UFO hunters wouldn't talk to anybody except UFO hunters. <laughs> it was just, yeah, that was the way it was. Uh, and now, though, we're starting to realize these things connect. They intersect a lot more now that they're willing to talk a little more. We're starting to realize, okay, maybe the reason the footprints stop for the Bigfoot is maybe there's some spectral activity or interdimensional activity. And, yeah. you know, now we're also, again, science is catching us. And we're, you know, quantum theory, we're realizing quantum entanglement is real. And, and you know, so maybe, and time is cyclical. Yeah. So maybe Bigfoot, Sasquatch is a caveman ghost or what if something there's yeah i say that all the time about the caveman ghost what if it's yep. the this dead bigfoot and they are astral because they're dead yeah so exactly like ron moorhead quantum bigfoot that's i've had bigfoot people threaten to come to my house and beat me up because i said bigfoot was paranormal in yep. some of those groups before <laughs> yeah that's why i always say preternatural stuff we don't understand i mean yeah. you know, even tesla and you know alexander graham bell edison when they were all in the early days of inventing yeah. things, they started inventing the phone, and there's voices on the line. Well, who were those voices? You know, they thought it was the dead, so they were trying to invent devices to talk to the dead. They all died before they finished them. But that even back then, they were working on it. The problem is now, 
you talk about, oh, let's talk to, build a device to talk to the dead. Everybody's, oh, laughs at you. You're crazy. You know, um, I'm not a big Jay. fan of. Jay's you know, tired. He works at Home Depot. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of those, you know, voice boxes or my phone app that can talk to voices or, you know, or the Xbox Connect camera that, you know, that's built for video games. And, yeah. you know, if I, I, I ran a video game store for 20 years. I know how terrible those things actually work. Uh, so, nice. you know, so that's the stuff that's television, but I'd love serious money thrown into this and real science thrown behind this stuff. But it's, it's, we're still a ways out, but the fact that, like I said, we have Congress investigating UFOs, maybe we'll start getting some money into ghosts and some money into, you know, actually do a real search for champ or big, you know, or Loch Ness and all that. So, yeah, definitely. And, uh, we're physical now when we croak we're probably ethereal or astral so it makes sense if a bigfoot croaks you know it could be spirits some yeah it could be both physical and spiritual uh, well i mean also also could be that they do ritual like us they maybe they bury their dead so they don't leave you know they leave no trace behind yeah uh, we don't know that um and, and other studies also show that you know creatures as big as that can you know decompose in a matter of seven days so um, even if they leave a body behind, it's within a week to you know ten days, nothing's left but you know a few pieces of bone, and you may not recognize them as Bigfoot just by walking by them. So uh, it's not that easy to detect. But I agree that there should be some very serious uh, uh, research in all of those respects. Um, the the ghost stuff. I mean, some of the EVP stuff that I've heard about ghosts. I mean that. That's enough evidence right there to like get you know a conviction without a dead body. You know, it's yeah. a, it really is. Yeah. There, are, there are people on death row with less evidence. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, so, no, yeah. no, no, no murder weapon or no body. Yeah, there's all kinds of mistakes up there. It's just, it's unbelievable. What do you think about some of the uh, missing four one one stuff? I've interviewed David uh, four or five times in the past, written and on the radio. It's been a while. But what do you think some of that is? Do you think it's a smorgasbord of things, or do you think anything in particular? They seem to want to pin it on Bigfoot sometimes. I don't know. Some of them maybe, but certainly not all of them are snatching folks. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely uh, it's one of those. David's David's great, and the fact that he brought so much of that attention to all that, you know, is that's one of the reasons why he's so great. Uh, you know, national treasure, and I hope nothing ever happens to him. Him, him and Nick Pope are uh, some of my favorite people, and, uh, and Nick Redford definitely. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, they, um, it's one of those, I, I, I think it's many things. I think, like I said, it's, it's stuff we don't understand. It's, uh, some of it is just people go missing. I mean, walk out, those ever, walk out in those Everglades, you could go missing very quickly if you don't, you know, track where you're at. You know, uh, like I said, going into the Appalachian mountains, I went into a valley I probably shouldn't have. And, uh, you know, a lady chasing me with a shotgun. So, you know, yeah. if I hadn't, gotten back to my car as quick as I did, I might not be here right now. And people be writing, what happened to Mark Muncy, the famous monster hunter? Yeah. And, and I'm like, yeah, or infamous, whatever, depending on who's talking about me. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, it's one of those, you know, I realized I was a heartbeat away from being on missing 411. Uh, but, you know, are, you know, supernatural things, preternatural things doing this stuff? Possibly. Uh, some of them, I think, are things that we don't understand. I think some people have been taken from where we are. And did they walk into a portal into another realm? Did they, you know, did they upset a Bigfoot? Did they, you know, or did they just stumble on a meth dealer, you know, or, a, or even a shine still? The fact that there's still shine runners in this day and age is 
makes me laugh. They're, you know, they're actually, so uh, actually are still moonshiners uh, running shine up and down, particularly yep. in the Appalachian areas. Yes, one of one of the stories near Appalachia is a a shine family contacted me because they had a weird experience. Uh, they were trying to improve their their shine because business was slow. So they got out grandma's cookbook looking for some medicinal, you know, op options. What they didn't realize is grandma's medicinal book was actually a spells and hexes book. And so the things she was telling them to put in were, you know, not exactly of this world. And uh, so they mixed it in and it was working great. They were all feeling really good. So they had a big party everybody's drinking it up all you know the neighboring families are all coming and they start seeing things out of the corners of their eyes just shadows moving and little little things just darting around and they start to panic that, that paranoia kicks in right and they're like oh god it's it's rats they're trying to get into our you know our our, our corn and getting into the getting into the potatoes and getting into all the things that we need to, to make the shrine so they they start you know, grabbing the guns and the next thing you know, there's shots being fired and, and these things are running around crazy and they start looking at them and they realize they're kind of balls of oily slime. The one guy described it as it looked like venom from Spider-Man's head with just all teeth rolling around. And uh, one of them tries to catch one in a sack, you know, like a potato sack. He's He's got it. And as he's trying to get it around it, he starts screaming, it bites, it bites, and it's like blood's coming out of his hand. So, you know, and now everybody starts panicking, everybody starts running, and that's the end of it. But, you know, the police show up the next day and bust everybody because, oh, my God, it's an illegal shine thing, and the dude's bleeding out of his hand like crazy. So, um, but the one little budding chemist, the guy who invented all this, you know, and made that mix, he's convinced that these were not something that they summoned. This is not just some strange hallucination, group hallucination. He thinks those things are always there. And this shine concoction opened up the third eye so you can see them, but it also let them see you. And um, so, you know, that's mind-blowing when you hear about it. it. Uh, but what was funny was, Literally two weeks as I was about to go to press with that story for the book, he calls me, uh, you know, they were back in business uh, <laughs> and, doing, and doing some more shine, wanting to know if I wanted a batch. And I'm like, I don't know if I, you know, I'm good. I'm yeah. epileptic. I don't need alcohol. So it's good. <laughs> so we got like five minutes, but one thing I wanted to ask you real quick, just maybe you can give a summary. What was these mermaids in Wiki Wachi? Was those real mermaids? I don't hear about That's, Florida mermaids. That was a tourist attraction uh, that uh, they, they, they basically, it's, it's an underground spring. Again, we don't know how deep it goes. No one's ever been able to get to the bottom of it because the current is too strong. Uh, it is a freshwater spring. Uh, the whole town is no longer exists. Wikiwachi uh, folded uh, just a few years ago. There was only like a dozen residents. Uh, the the it was an underground theater that you could go watch these women swim around in, and they would use um, breathing tubes so they weren't wearing tanks or anything like that. And they trained these Olympic divers to do this stuff. One of the famous mermaids was a guy named Riku Browning. He was a merman. Uh, he later went on to do the creature from the Black Lagoon, 
Oh, uh, nice. He was the underwater guy in the suit. That's why he could Ooh. do all that stuff. They filmed that in Silver Springs and some in Wikiwachi. Um, now, they supposedly saw a mermaid off the coast of St. Pete. Um, but And when it was found, it was actually a hoax. Uh, but, um, you know, but it's one of those people always talk about the mermaids of Florida. Uh, you know, of course the classic is, oh, the, the, the manatees are the mermaids. And if you confuse the manatee for a mermaid, you were very mistaken. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, it was just one of those, we had to write about them because everybody expected mermaids in the book. So definitely, definitely. Well, thanks so much. It's been great. I've enjoyed it a lot. I love this stuff and you are a master of it. So I definitely appreciate it. It's amazing. My pleasure. And if anybody wants to know more, just visit us at erietravels.com. That links to all our books and uh, you can order direct from us. And my lovely wife will draw a monster in it for you if you order from us, (laughs) but you can find our books in any Walgreens or Cracker Barrel in Florida. And uh, you know you're famous when you're in Cracker Barrel. And yes. uh, yeah. but uh, you can also find us on all the usual books places too. That's what happened. I, you'd been on my friends list, and I'd been meaning to interview, but never just kind of got around to it. But I was uh, I'd had COVID and flu crap in December. We went uh, to me and Christina went to CVS, and there was a creepy Florida on, on one of the little cylinders in the store, and I picked it up. Like I've heard of them, and then here we are. So good yep, synchronicity. <laughs> That's that's how it works, man. I I, you know, I I always tell anybody if you see one in a CVS or a Walgreens, I'll pay you a dollar if you move it to the top shelf so everybody can see it better. So. <laughs> it was there definitely. Well, we appreciate it so much. We'll definitely have to get you on again. It's been great. Thanks so much. Right. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Have fun. Enjoy the rest of the show. Take care. Jay's going on for three hours about Trump Gooch. Oh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but he may come up. <laughs> we're still he, on he air, so up. be careful. He comes up once in a while, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do, you do, do you get a PP tape? <laughs> no, I, we, get, we get more. Um, uh, we go on more about uh, Biden at the moment because uh, he's just a little more scary. <laughs> Everything. He's the one they, that's in charge. They both suck crap. <laughs> yeah, both parties suck crap. Our, our government sucks crap. But uh, that's why I can't do politics because I don't like any of them. Like I just, I just would like to do Mad Max and put both of them in a cage match with their weapon of choice at this point, so they'll shut up with their dumb oh, that would be tribalism. You're talking that, their right? dumb tribalism back and forth. Oh, left versus right. Oh, it's just so boring. Like oh, I just want to throw up. But uh, but teach their own. I'm more of a. Uh, that's what I get mad at before it's news. They like to up all this politics stuff all the time and highlight it and put ufo stuff in the alt whatever other section that is not as popular and i'm like this stuff's more important than your dumb politics mm-hmm. wanker fest like what happens to you after you die and interstellar objects coming into your atmosphere and the journey of the soul is much more important than republicans and democrats and just hate it <laughs> But anyway, I hope everyone has a great weekend. That was a great show. I love when you get to hear all those different kind of, you know, weird stories. And we got to get into some Florida. Strange monsters I didn't even heard of before. Yeah, the, the, the gas cloud. The gas? Well, actually, I had the um, hemorrhagic clouds I've heard of before. They're actually they're been in Star Trek. But um, that's the first, like, 
Definitely. real witness one I've heard of. What I fascinates guess. me about him is he knows these secret locations of all these skinwalker-like ranches down here in Florida. That's pretty yeah. fascinating, for sure. But everybody have a good weekend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Have a great one. Good night. Good luck on your show, your Trump will Gooch Biden show. I'm curious about that shot down object over Alaska. You hear that? That's crazy. I heard about that. That's yeah. crazy for sure. Yeah, just briefly probably, heard about that. Hopefully we'll see you next time and we're not nuclear obliviated. Yeah, but, I hope uh, not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At this point, it's like, get it over with. So shut up or just do it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Take care. <laughs>